Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. I'm very excited to talk to Amanda Orlando today, and it's going to take me a minute to do her introduction because, Amanda, you are definitely one of those people who make me feel like I should be doing more with my life. You have recently founded Free to Be Me events. You're the blogger behind Everyday Allergen Free, and you've written cookbooks. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. What an amazing set of titles and and resume work. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Lovely to meet you and to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. All right. So this Free to Be Me events thing is totally brand new. First wellness retreat for food allergy people. Tell me everything, all the all the things. So this, you'll, you'll find out with me, I have a tendency to have these little ideas. And the next thing I know, they're like really huge. And they're just like rolling on their own. They've snowballed. Um, so it started out, I had this idea, wouldn't it be so fun to do like a little local wellness retreat for people with food allergies? Because some background prior to COVID, I absolutely loved going to food allergy conferences. And there's several different ones in the US. And I just thought they were so much fun. And I loved meeting people who I knew online in real life. And I developed some really close friendships through these events. And I also found them just very cathartic, like being in a room full of people who get it is such a powerful feeling. So I started to think, wouldn't it be great to do one in Toronto? And I had done some small ones in Toronto in the past, but obviously it had been a very long time. And next thing I knew, I realized, you know, this is a much bigger idea. There's a lot more potential for this. This is something we can do a lot with. And I think this should actually be an events company. And the wellness retreat is going to be the first of many events. And the whole concept of wellness with food allergies for me is like really specific. I've always found that even though I'm very interested in mainstream wellness culture, it never really targets the specific needs of me as a food allergy person. I can never eat the food at these events. I often have to bypass, like if I'm in a yoga class or a Reiki class or something and they come around with cream, I'm like, don't touch me with that. You know, there's always like these little, there's little tweaks that I have to do here and there. And um, I just thought, wouldn't it be great if there was a wellness retreat that was like specifically catered to people with food allergies and the things that, you know, we deal with every day and the emotional needs that we have. And I just built a whole event around that. And then because it is the first, you know, I'm taking so much feedback from all of my readers and it ended up breaking the schedule into like parents of kids with food allergy programming versus adults or teens who have food allergies themselves programming. So now it has become like, this crazy event and it's going to be so groovy and uh and I'm just so excited about it so the early bird tickets have sold out that promo is over and general admission tickets are still available and I thought for the venue I like wouldn't it be so cool to take over a schoolhouse or a school because school is often such a contentious place you know 504 plans and bullying and all these things so I've rented out Toronto's oldest schoolhouse which is like this gorgeous historic venue. And it also has two separate rooms, which allows for the programming. And we're just going to make it into a place for people with food allergies to thrive. And the whole focus of the event is self-acceptance and thriving with food allergies and just living your best life. And the morning starts out with meditation and workshops. And then the afternoon goes into sort of like group discussions and speaker presentations. We have Tamara Hubbard, the food allergy therapist, coming in. Like, so exciting. 
So yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a really fantastic event. And I feel very fortunate and grateful that a lot of people are supporting it, you know, from the beginning, like Spoken. Spoken is partnering with me on the event. That's great. Yeah, Tamara has been here uh, on the podcast too. So on the, the, you mentioned two specific topics that have been challenging for you at other well, wellness retreats. One, like creams and potions and lotions and whatnot, which by the way, I completely agree with in yoga classes when they come at you with the essential oil. Sometimes at the end, I'm like, get away from me. No, because <laughs> you never know, right? What is that? You never know. And two, the food, how are you handling those things? Because having a food allergy retreat, you could end up with a hundred different allergies in the room. How are you going to feed people? Absolutely. So you might be familiar with Courtney Kwong Hing of Allergy Girl Eats. Mm-hmm. She's one of my closest friends and her mom is actually a chef and uh, lives in Toronto. So she's going to be catering the event and we're going to be doing a top eight free catering program. But then there are also some priority allergens that outside of the top eight that we're also going to be doing um, that we're also going to be not using so that day. And um, what I've done is with the tickets, people can add what their allergies are. And then I can compile them all into a spreadsheet. And there are lots of consistencies between the attendees. And then I'm thinking we're going to do kind of a build your meal as opposed to, um, you know, having things already plated. And that's really going to help us cater it to people's specific needs. And of course, being a food allergy event, I know the reality is that a lot of people are probably going to bring their own food as well. I want people to feel like there is something there for them, but I also know our mannerisms, so we're not going to be policing people either. You should think about using Certistar in there. Yes, we should. <laughs> I wonder if there's a solution for this. <laughs> <laughs> of course if only is. someone had thought of this. <laughs> only, right? No, that, we'd be happy to work with you on it if, uh, if, if you were into that. Um, so that's pretty cool. So what kind of topics are you going to be doing in the afternoon sessions? So the afternoon sessions, um, the parents of kids with food allergies program, there's going to be a self-confidence session. And then there's also going to be a youth discussion panel because I find that parents really want to know from other teens or other young adults, like what are the things that their kids are going to experience and go through? Because of course, by nature of being a teenager, you don't share every little detail of your life. It's that very sort of defensive period. And I think it's going to be a really enlightening session for parents whose kids are on their way to teenagehood. I think it's gonna be really great. And then for the adults or teens with food allergies programming, um, we have Dr. Tamara Hubbard, obviously coming to talk about the psychology of food allergies. This was really important to me because one of the things I've heard repeatedly since the world started opening up again was that people want a therapist to speak to and they have a difficult time finding a therapist who understands food allergies and that they go to their regular therapist and they end up having to explain themselves and it becomes very emotionally taxing and they don't get the clarity they need. I've been in that situation before, um, so I totally understand. So bringing her in from Chicago is like so, so exciting. Um, And then I also have another guest speaker who's a surprise, but I will just say um, she's going to provide an alternative perspective and she's very mindset focused and is also a doctor. So I haven't haven't announced who it is yet. But an alternative really great perspective program. as opposed to? Um, so her perspective, she is not a foodology specific therapist, but she is oh, rather a, a therapy doc- doctor. Yeah, she's, all, she's also a mindset coach, but she is also a doctor. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I yeah. just wanted 
everybody to understand what was happening. That's yes. that's awesome. So is it a one day event? Um, there's a social on the Friday, uh, Friday evening, sorry. And then it's all day Saturday. So we're going from awesome. breakfast straight, straight through to 5 p.m. Very cool. Very, yeah. very cool. I think that that sounds great. So let's go backwards in time. Before the event company, you, well, and I suppose still now, you have been running the blog Everyday Allergen Free. How did that get started? You obviously have food allergies. So how has that affected you in a way that, you know, you wanted to or felt compelled to um, kind of shape your career around that? Well, I had food allergies my entire life. So it's really the only thing I've ever known. Um, And I always, you know, I've gone through different phases. There have been points in my life where I was very confident in sharing my allergies. I was very confident um, and comfortable eating in restaurants. And we did that a lot as a family growing up. And then I went through a phase when I was a teenager and young adult where I would say I was probably a little bit too reckless and took too many liberties with my allergies. And as you can imagine, in my life, I've had quite a few reactions (laughs) as a result of this behavior. So um, I found that when I started entering like my mid-20s, I developed a lot more anxiety than I had. I always had a little bit of allergy anxiety, but it really blossomed when I was, you know, living on working on my own and, and as an adult, suddenly taking on the entirety of the burden of managing my allergies. I didn't have any of those safe holds of my parents doing little things for me here and there. So I think that was just a difficult transition for me. And I also was coming to accept that I was never going to grow out of it, which I had always held on to the hope that I was going to, because I knew other people who had outgrown their allergies. And I felt like, if I was perfect at this, this, and this in my life, like I was going to be rewarded with growing out of it. And then I arrived in adulthood and spoiler, didn't grow out of it. So I had to make peace with that. And then also when I was a kid, um, it was always like a family goal of ours that I was going to write cookbooks. This was like, oh, nice. I wanted, I wanted to do this from the time that I was like a little kid. I've just always really loved cookbooks and cooking and cooking shows and just everything about that. So. Um, Anyways, when I was in my early 20s, I was working in publishing and I pitched a literary agent and got signed and got my first cookbook deal. And at that time, I had been sort of like blogging quietly on Tumblr, but, you know, it was just sort of a hobby. And my agent said, you know, you should really like make more of your blog and like maybe start using Facebook and Instagram and all these other tools that exist to help promote your book. And then coincidentally, at that same time, I had a really horrendous anaphylactic reaction Um, I think I was 24 maybe 25 at that time and I thought okay I'm gonna write about that and that will be my first post on my like proper allergy blog and at that time I think it was called Amanda's Recipes it wasn't everyday allergen free yet anyways I couldn't believe the response of like people finding it online my friends and family reading it and everyone was like wow I had no idea that that's what that's like um the representation in media when I was growing up was like allergies were just a joke you know so everyone thought that it was just a joke I don't think anyone ever considered that it impacted me mentally um and yeah and it just sort of took off from there and it's kept sharing and I realized that it's just the little everyday things that people were most interested in and just seeing how like the way I navigate life is different than someone who doesn't have to consider their food allergies and now here we are can I ask about that reaction? You can. Well, <laughs> uh, 
I no, had gone. That was a perfectly good answer, by the way. No, you know what? There are elements of it that I'm comfortable talking about um, at this point. I would say it had been a long time since I had an anaphylactic reaction. And this was the first one that I had really as an adult. I think the the last one I had had prior to that, I was like maybe 19 or something. This one, I was getting ready for work in the morning and then it happened. And the thing that really tripped me up was that it was a product that I bought like regularly for probably a year and that I ate every single day. And for whatever reason, something in their factory, you know, went wrong. And it was just life altering. It was really life altering. And I would say it's, it's the post-reaction change that was most striking to me. Like my behaviors changed. I felt a lot of guilt um, for not having properly taken care of myself. Um, I felt like, yeah, I just felt shame for it. Um, even though no one was, you know, no one was projecting that onto me. It was, it was myself. I felt like I had let myself down. And I started just being really anxious about things that previously never made me anxious. Suddenly, I wouldn't eat in restaurants at all. I wouldn't eat any packaged food. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even touch packaged bread for like years. Um, I couldn't imagine being on a plane. I couldn't be in a car stuck in traffic because I couldn't get out. It was like all of these little things just took over my life. And um, I'm over, like, I would say I worked through it but it definitely took a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work. Were you alone? When it happened? No, actually, I was living with my brother at the time. And that was his second time giving me an EpiPen in my life. So um, I'm fortunate that he knows how to do it. He has allergies too. Um, He's only had to use his EpiPen once. Thank God, knock on wood. (laughs) Um, But he knows how to use it. So he, he administered it for me and he took me to the hospital. That had um, that that story of a packaged food that is no longer safe has happened to me too. The you know those and no hate to Keebler here, but you know those little like cheese and cracker packets. Mm-hmm. Like there's like six of them. They're little sandwiches, and they've got like yeah. cheese in the middle. At some point, they added peanut flour to those. Oh no! And I mean, I've had those 750 million times over the yeah. years. Yeah. Until I can't have them anymore. Yes, exactly. This little, it's a little change, but it has a huge impact. Yeah. Every label, every time, right? Yeah. And we have this, um, this, what do you call it? It's called the CFIA in Canada. So basically Canadian Food Inspection Agency. So if you, if you've had an anaphylactic reaction to something and you feel like there was an issue with how it was produced, you can fill out a report online and someone will come to your home and take that packaged product and they will bring it to a lab and test it. And then if they feel that there's an issue or if they find something wrong with it, they'll do a recall and pull all the product and they'll actually go to stores and make sure that it's been pulled. So that's what happened after this. And they did a recall and they found that there was one of my allergens in there that was not declared. And then they send you this massive pile of paperwork after, like, because they have to communicate with the company and they, you know, it's a whole ordeal. And I just, I couldn't even... Once I saw that it was confirmed on the first sheet of paper, I couldn't even go through all the paperwork. It was just like very emotionally difficult for me. So it's still sitting in my closet. I've never gone through it. <laughs> I don't want to throw it out either, but I just, I don't want to look at it either. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. All right. So let's talk about happier topics. Let's go to the cookbooks. Yes. 
So yeah, process um, work. Like, so you described like pitching the agent and getting signed and, but like, how do you come up with the recipes? Who do you test them on? What kind of recipes do you do? What's your favorite thing you've ever done recipe wise for a cookbook? Like tell, like I need, I need details. Okay. So every single cookbook has happened differently. Is one of the, one of the things that I love about publishing. How many are there by the way? Oh, there's three. There's three cookbooks. Two of them are still in print. One of them is no longer in print. Um, the thing that I love about publishing is that as a creative process, it's so different every time. And there's no linear road to getting your book published. And that's kind of like a common theme in my life. Like it's always just a winding, like, I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> um, so the first cookbook I had, you know, I think I wrote it in the early 2010s. I started writing it. 2010s. Is that how we say that? I don't know. Um, I guess. Yeah. And at that point I was writing it like pencil on paper, you know, my, my baking recipes, that cookbook was free from peanuts, tree nuts, dairy and soy. And I also had an egg free chapter and it was all baking like desserts. Um, And it's just called allergen free desserts. And I, so I pitched a literary agent and then he solicited it and got me a publisher. It was in New York. And then basically they gave me my advance. And then I had, I think, six months to write the book. Um, it, in all my experiences, I haven't had like a great deal of time to write anything. So I'm always pulling from stuff that I already know or recipes that I already have and like tweaking and adjusting. Um, and so that's how that book came about. And it was so exciting. And I did the photography, not all of the photography. I did some of the photography for that book. And then a few years later, I really wanted to write another cookbook, but I had this different concept of it being flexible for different allergies. So for example, maybe you are allergic to, you know, peanuts, nuts, and dairy, but you can have wheat. So maybe you don't necessarily want to eat gluten-free. Like these are all, you know, allergies are not one thing, right? It's, it's such a Thank flexible you. concept. Yes. <laughs> so that's what I pitched. Um, I actually, I got a new agent. He's really amazing. I'm still working with him now. and. He managed to connect me with an editor at a publisher in Canada who also had a nut allergy. So she totally understood the concept and she really liked the allergy flexible idea. And we had this idea of making it not just a book of recipes, but like a book about allergy life. So she took a bunch of my essays from my blog um, about anxiety and like just the different aspects of living with food allergies, some of my like more humorous stories. Um, Because I really, I think there's like a lot of comedy in food allergies too. And she included those in the book. And then she had this like incredible graphic designer just do like the craziest cover, which to me, the cover looks like the inside of my brain, just like kind of chaos all the time. (laughs) And that book was just, it was such a success. And I couldn't believe the number of people who reached out to me and said, I've never felt seen by a cookbook before, nor did I ever think I would. And this was such a breath of fresh air. So that was just so cool. And then the third cookbook that came out um, this year, what year are we in? It came out this year. 2022. 2022. It came out in spring of this year in May. Um, That one was totally different process. That publisher pitched me a concept and they said, we have this book. We see that online there's demand for it and we need someone to write it. So I wrote it and I was pregnant at the time and it was a really fun project to be testing recipes and cooking and eating so much food when I was eating for two, (laughs) the really good timing. And yeah. And so that one, uh, yeah, just came out this past year. 
That is fabulous. What if people come to you with an allergen that you haven't covered in your books? Will you come up with, or your blogs? Have you, will you come up with recipes to help them out? Um, I don't know that anyone's ever asked me to really come up with a recipe for them, but I would say like people often ask for tips. Like I remember once I was at, I was speaking at a fair conference. Um, I think it was 2019 and I did a speaker presentation on like recipe development and attitudes towards food. And there was a woman who said to me, I really want my son to try shellfish or I really want him to experience shellfish, but he's allergic. What can I do? And I remember telling her like, why don't you create like a beautiful puttanesca sort of flavor profile, like flavors of the Mediterranean and of the sea, like capers and olives and olive oil and garlic, but then just omit the fish and instead use something like sliced oyster mushrooms or, you know, things that somewhat look like shellfish, but aren't necessarily, that's going to give you kind of that same feel or same idea. So I like to really, I love chatting about food with people. And it is, you know, people push you to think outside of your comfort zone and like think of new ideas when they present these challenges. So yeah, it's pretty cool. What are some of the kind of hacks or, you know, life hacks or um, tips that you've shared with people on the blog or in, in conversation? You must have a million stories. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, okay. First of all, if we're talking about baking, gluten-free baking, like you must blend your flours. You can't get away with just using one flour. Like if you use only rice flour, it's going to be too cakey. And if you use only oat flour, it's going to be too sticky. And like, you really need to blend, 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 blend. That's like the number one most important thing. And you need to use xanthan gum if you can have it. Um, But other than that, I feel like in terms of life. You can't just drop a sentence like that. You you have to use xanthan gum if you can. You got to use xanthan gum. Can you even buy xanthan gum? Like, can you, you go to can. the store and get that? I have a bag of it in my cupboard and right now. What does one use it for? And how much do you need? Like, what? Think of xanthan gum like, it's like how you would use baking powder or baking soda. Like one teaspoon goes a very long way. Xanthan gum is, it, that's the power that it holds. The very so small that brings the, the wonky flowers, the gluten-free flowers. Brings them all together. Yeah. It's a textural thing. You just like sprinkled some like fruit bombs <laughs> in there and just walked right away from them. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never purchased xanthan gum before. Well, if you're ever baking gluten-free and often gluten-free blends, pre-blended flowers will already have it. But if you're mixing from scratch, which I like to do, especially when I'm developing recipes, I don't want to use a blend where I don't know the proportions of things. I always blend from scratch. I always buy xanthan gum. Yes, I had no idea. I love that. I'm sorry, you were going to go to another story and I cut you off and brought you back. Um, In terms of everyday life hacks, we mentioned already every label every time. Yeah. Cannot underscore that enough. So, so important. I had a reaction when I was a kid to something that the ingredients changed and we just didn't read the label. So lesson learned. I will never do that again. Um, I almost get like, if I don't read a label three times, it bothers me. I have to read it three times. Sometimes you don't, you don't see things the first time. Yeah. Um, could be a symptom of a greater problem. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a tick I've developed over the years. Um, what else? Oh, don't be afraid to self-cater. Bring your own food if you need to. What I've never regretted self-cater. self-cater. I've never regretted bringing Thank you. I'm food going somewhere. to self-cater this event. <laughs> That's what I say to people. Like in the last few years, I don't know how many weddings I've gone to. Like 
it, we went through the phase where like you know a whole bunch of our friends got married and I just brought my own food to almost all of their weddings it was so much more comfortable I enjoyed myself yeah I no one cares no one cares may I have a plate please thank you very much I'm plating my own dinner yeah sometimes I'm like keep your fork I brought one <laughs> I, don't, I don't need it you know um there's no shame in self-catering and when people do care it's like just mind your own business don't worry I'm eating it's fine we're all eating it's okay so advice for people who might want to start their own blog or might want to write their own cookbook or if somebody has an event idea okay well firstly if you want to write your own cookbook have a solid concept and then work on soliciting a literary agent because the literary agent is the one who solicits your book to the publishers. And having worked in publishing for a publishing company, if you don't have a literary agent, your book, is, your concept is going into a stack of pitches that's like a mile high and is not likely to be seen. So getting a lit agent is like priority numero uno. Um, if you want to start a blog, like just be authentic to yourself, write about your own story. There's a lot of allergy content out there that's like very basic content that kind of, I don't want to say everyone always already knows at this point, but that's like very easy to find. Um, so maybe doing a post about what are the top eight allergens is not going to really pique people's interest, but a post about like your favorite thing to eat when you're really hungry and in a hurry and you can't eat takeout food that's probably going to be a bit more exciting for people. Something different. And what was your third question? If somebody oh, had an event idea. Oh, yeah. I'd, I mean, I would think the advice there would be to call you. I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Join us at the wellness retreat. Right. Speaking of, what are the events to come after this first one? I have a few really interesting concepts, and I'm going to be surveying people to see what's of highest interest. But I would love to do like a wintertime high tea that's top eight free. I think that would be so much fun and so cute and it would be so beautiful. Um, I would also love to do a Halloween party that families can attend like perhaps the week before Halloween and have like crafting and pumpkin painting and like allergy safe trick-or-treating somewhere cool, perhaps Legoland type of environment. Um, Where they use Sort of Start, by the way. Oh, do they? Mm -hmm. Amazing. So what a great place to have it. That would be great. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the ideas that are brewing. I would also like to do an eczema wellness event, um, which I'm currently working on a concept for. So yeah, that's those are the things that I have brewing. Um, obviously, we'll get event number one underway and get people's feedback from there. And where can everybody find your events and your books and your blog? So the events you can find at freetobeme.ca and the books, um, if you search on Amazon or Indigo or really any major bookstore chain, search my name, they will pop up. Uh, my latest book is called um, Easy Allergen Free. It's very easy to find. <laughs> it's usually within the top couple search results on Amazon. And you can find my blog at everydayallergenfree.com. Perfect. So then, uh, and I assume that somewhere on there, there's like a email Amanda type of thing, right? Like Yeah, contact. actually, you can reach me at hello at .ca. That's probably the best place to reach me these days. Awesome. Okay. So then time for our favorite closing game, which is two truths and a lie. 
I am very excited to hear what you've got. So in no particular order, and don't tell us the answer. Three facts about yourself, one of which is not true. Okay. Um, I've flown an airplane. I have no allergies outside the top eight. And I am, and I am going to be on TV next week. I like it. Varied topics across the board. Amanda, thank you so much for being on the show and I really appreciate it. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Also, if there's anything that we can do to help, obviously we would be happy to do so. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for being here. Again, this is the Shandyland podcast. Thanks for sticking around and we will talk to you soon.